Shavua Tov and welcome to all our listeners to another week of Learning Torah on Air. Hope everybody had a fantabulous Shabbos. I certainly did. Lovely weather. Um, and it seems that uh, we're heading towards spring, which I'm pretty excited about. There's a countdown to Rosh Hashanah. We don't have too much more to go. Six weeks, ladies. Um, you better get your menus out and you better get, uh, you know, who you're going to be inviting. In fact, I actually spoke to somebody the other day and they said, what are you doing for uh, second day Sukkot? And I actually looked at them incredulously and said, I beg your pardon? No, 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 no. They're, they're booking and they've already got arrangements on two other days, I thought. Wowzers. Okay. So uh, we've got six weeks to go to Rosh Hashanah. Today is a very, very special day. It is Tuba Av, the 15th day of Av. This is the Jewish equivalent, not equivalent. It is the Jewish form of Valentine's Day. It says that in the times, older times, in the temple times, men would go out on this day and pick themselves a bride. And so uh, today we pray and we ask that God... Uh, gives each and every single person out there looking for their zivuk, looking for their soulmate, that blessing so that each and every one of them would be able to establish a bite in their man Israel, a praiseworthy house in Israel. But that's not my topic today. My topic as always is Tehillim, the book of Psalms. And we are now embarking on quite a long journey. I was thinking as I was coming here today that uh, we are going to be embarking on chapter 119 of the book of Psalms, which in the book of Psalms is the longest book, longest chapter of the 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 book of Psalms. There's 150 chapters, 150 Psalms, and 119 is the longest, and it is the longest because it has 176 verses. Um, so if you're ever in a Tehillim group and somebody says, do you want to say 119? Hey, know what you're getting into. But chapter 119 is so very long because it actually um, has a method to it. Um, King David wrote this uh, chapter of Tehillim, this capital of Tehillim, and the way he wrote it is that he took each letter of the Jewish alphabet from Aleph to Taf, from A to Z, okay? And for each letter, he... Um, composed seven, sorry, eight verses that start with that letter. So the first eight verses of uh, chapter 119 all start with Aleph, the next eight verses with Bet, the next um, eight, uh, eight with Gimel, etc., etc. So if you go eight times 22, you will get to 176 verses. This is a very, very Powerful capital of Tehillim. We use it a lot, not only in just saying it from A to Z, but we use it when we are praying for people in particular. Let me explain to you how it works. If you are praying for anybody under any circumstance, you could be even be praying for yourself. Um, what we do when somebody is sick or at any other time is that we will take the Hebrew name of that person, be it a male or a female, and then we will take the words ben or bat, meaning son or daughter, depending if they, you know, if they are male or female, and then their mother's Hebrew name. So let's just take an example. Say we would like to pray for, uh, bracha bat rachel. Bracha 
the daughter of Rachel, what we would do then is we would open chapter 119 and we would start by saying the first, the verses that um, pertain to the letter Bet from the word Bracha. We would say the eight verses of the letter Bet. Then we would go and say the eight verses of the letter Resh. Then the eight verses of the letter Chaf. Then eight verses of the letter Hey. So all in all, we'd be saying 20, uh, 32 verses for the Bet, Resh, Chaf, Hey, for the word Bracha. Then we would say the eight uh, verses of the letter Bet for the Bat or the Ben, the Taf. And then we would start with Resh, Chet, Lamet for the Rachel. And the same thing applies for men. And it applies under all circumstances. If we are praying for somebody, we will even um, in a shiver house say the verses of the deceased, the letters of the um, the deceased's name. There only we would we would change not from the mother's name, but to the father's name. So this uh, chapter of Tehillim is quite powerful. If we are saying it, um, you know, daily, it is actually divided up into two days because because it is it is particularly long. What we are going to do, um, and this is why I'm telling you that it's going to be a particularly long stretch of learning, is that there are 22 letters to the alphabet. My aim is to cover. One letter every time we get to meet with each other. So that means for the next 22 weeks, um, we're going to be at it. And that, that is without any interruptions. So, uh, this is going to be a, probably a half a year expedition. And, uh, I hope and I'm glad if you are, you're, you're listening and enjoying it. And as always, um, I love feedback from you. So you can always give a call on 074-654-7335. You can SMS on 34519. Um, you can email on air at chaifm.com. And should you wish, since we're so technologically driven, you can also um, WhatsApp, WhatsApp us on 062 so just before we get into the letter Aleph, which we'll do just after the break, let's just understand um, from a general level. We know that the life of King David was devoted. He devoted himself to the attainment of self-perfection um, in the service of God. And he he like kind of like calculated every single day of his life, how he could get closer and closer to this lofty goal. And uh, our rabbis teach us that, um David in this chapter 119 painstakingly charts the progressive stages of his determined ascent towards spiritual perfection. So that's why it follows a sequence. And in fact, the Talmud in Brochers um, refers to this capital of Tehillim as Tamanya Apin, the repetition of eight. Why the repetition of eight? Why did David choose to repeat Eight verses all starting with the same letter. So this is a little bit of a mystical idea in that um, we know we work in a cycle of seven. The natural world works in a cycle of seven. Why? Because sim- seven symbolizes the power of this world. It was created in seven days. It's natural. Um, we know that we can rely on it. We know that this is this is the the, the way that we function. When we go beyond seven to the number eight, we are going to the miraculous. We are going 
beyond the mundanity, beyond the, 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 the consistency of this world. We're going beyond nature. We're taking it a notch higher. So King David really has put together verses of eight to teach us that in order for one to achieve truly incredible perfection in this world, one needs to release one's desires from the mundane world. Why? Because this mundane world distracts us from our spiritual aspirations, chips us down. And in order for us to achieve what we need to achieve, we need to go beyond, beyond what we see, beyond nature, beyond that which we know is reliable. We need to look beyond that. And so that is why um, we've got eight of every single verse. And also in these verses, as always, David describes his, his obstacles, the dangers that confronted him in his lifetime and how he did not, how he refused to be overwhelmed by his sorrow and um, how he always tried to fill himself up uh, with joy. So you will see that Throughout these verses that we are going to learn and, and being particular about each and every letter and what each letter of the Torah comes to teach us, we see how David always used the guiding light of, of Hashem's Torah and how his lips always brought forth praise for, for God's salvation. And, and as I always have said, King David is basically a, he is us because out of every biblical character, he was a chap that went through so many obstacles, so many um, difficulties in life, and we can relate to him in a very, very human way. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Welcome back, and we are going to start delving now into, the, <clears throat> excuse me, the first eight verses. Of chapter 119, they all start with the letter Aleph. If you do have a book in front of you, you can look it up. Chapter 118, verses 1 to 8, all start up with the letter Aleph, the first letter of the Jewish alphabet. And the rabbis explained that David begins this, this Tehillim, this psalm, with the same word that he uses at the beginning of the entire book of Tehillim. He says, Ashrei. So if you flip your Tehillim book back to chapter 1, verse 1, you will see Ashrei, praiseworthy. And I'm not going to get into too much of what Ashrei means. Um, if you uh, go back into the podcasts on Chai FM, right to the beginning when I did start uh, teaching the Tehillim, I did teach chapter 1, chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4, and we had an entire discussion on Ashrei, on being praiseworthy. But why does David want to start with the word Ashrei, with the Aleph? Because we know that the Aleph stands for Aluf, stands for the head. It stands for the fact that God is head of this world, that God runs this world. But it also is symbolic of the fact that it represents our head. And what should be in our head? Um, it might be questionable these days, but our head should be the source of human intellect. This is where um, we we process through logic, through understanding, through perceiving, through 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 um, negotiating our world. We, we 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 try to understand our world. And David starts this big big chapter with the letter Aleph 
because he's trying to teach us that the way to come close to God is not through an emotional outburst. Okay, we or, or or if we suddenly, you know, like have a a huge wave of inspiration overcome us, those are all good and wonderful, but they're very very short lived. They're kind of like a match you light it, and then, you know, in a couple of a se- uh, couple of seconds, the match has dissipated, has has burnt out. The way that we cultivate true faith um, is basically going through like an odyssey of the mind. We have to have a a desire, a thirst. For intellectual discovery and recognition of God. And that is really what David is trying to teach us when it comes to the Aleph. That we need, as human beings, we are obligated to understand God, not just take it on, on faith. Okay? Um, because if we just go with our heart, our heart can be pulled in many, many ways. Now, the Talmud and Shabbos teaches what does Aleph mean? Aleph, Aleph Lamet Fei, is the name of the, let, of the first letter. And uh, the Talmud tells us that Aleph means engage and study. And they bring a verse from Job, chapter 33, verse 33, if you're interested. There he says, I shall teach you wisdom. So basically, the term Aleph at the beginning of the alphabet is there to emphasize that what? That Torah study is the highest priority in Jewish life. Talmud, Torah, Keneged, Kolam. Learning Torah is the highest proper, uh, priority there is. And um, this is David's very, very first message, a very, very fundamental message, a very, very important message that one can't serve God by rote. You can't do things just because your mother did it, your father did it, or your community's doing it, or just this is what you're supposed to do without sitting and understanding yourself and, and delving into the flesh, into the meat of what God really, really wants of us. You must one must study Torah, one must understand Torah in order that we subsequently can can um, behave the way that, that we're expected to. So if one had to ask what is the highest priority in a Jewish in, in, in a in a life as a Jew, it's the study of Torah. And I think like one needs to emphasize this very, 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 very strongly because the majority of misunderstanding, the majority of non-understanding, the majority of, you know, people having a very negative viewpoint to Judaism is because they're ignorant. And today ignorance isn't bliss. It's, it's downright stupidity because today we are living in a world where we have access to so much information, um, from a Torah perspective, be it through the air here, like on High FM, be it through the internet, be it through the, 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 the millions and millions of Jewish books, through the m- many wonderful shirim that are giving by, given by rabbis and rabbitsons, here and abroad, the apps that download all of these things, you will not be able to live 120 years and then go upstairs and plead ignorance. Um, because that won't hold water <laughs> in a court of law. So, if you have any questions to do with Judaism, you have any doubts, you have, have worries, you, you don't understand, then learn Torah. Ask questions. We are not a, a, a religion where we ask people to follow by blind faith. We actually ask people to use their intellect, their aleph, their, the, 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 their head to understand and to, 
to um, fully integrate what it is that we need to do. And so, with verse 1, King David says, Ashrei timime darech, praiseworthy are those whose ways are wholesome, Hashem, that they walk with the Torah of Hashem. So if you see over here in this verse, Ashrei Timime Dorech, praiseworthy are those who, whose way is wholesome, um, you'll see that Derech, Dorech over here, the word Derech is actually a highway. And um, King David purposely uses this term because it refers to the main purpose and the direction of life. And basically he says that praiseworthy is a person whose way, who takes Torah, and, and lives a, a, a correct way. Okay. Um, there are going to be people, Hashem. They're going to be walking in the way of Hashem. Vitally, vitally important. And he calls the people who are walking that way, Timime Darech. They are those whose way is wholesome. Timimim. Timimim means wholesome in their faith, meaning that when you see somebody who's really Use their intellect, use their mind, understood, you'll see that they, they work, they walk in a very wholesome way in their faith. They have pure trust in Hashem, they walk the way of the Torah of Hashem, and they're wholesome in their aspirations, in their behavior, and they don't deviate from the, the, the principles that guide and shape every facet of their lives. That's what it means, walking with the Torah of Hashem. Now here's an interesting little bit of gematria, Okay, um, the Ibn Yahya explains that man has five senses, which we all know, okay, um, that allow us through our five senses, five senses, we are able to perceive the spiritual world through our divine spark and our divine spark, he says, which are available at all times um, for us are the nefesh, ruh and neshama, the spirit the breath, and the soul. So the Ibn Yahya goes and says, through our five senses, our seeing, our feeling, our tasting, our hearing, etc., and the three first, you know, the, the soul is made up of five levels, but the first three are with us all the time. Um, not with us all the time, but they're, they're, we're, we can connect to them. Um, most of the time, the nefesh, ruach, and neshama, if you add them all together, you have eight avenues through which we are able to perceive, we are able to relate to and to master the physical and spiritual worlds. And that's why David dedicated this chapter of Tehillim in particularly to the, the number, to the number eight. Right. Um, Another very interesting thing, and if you're around with a pen and a pencil right now, it would be great for you to write these down because you will see that in each and every single one of these 176 verses we are going to learn, there are 10 key words that David always uses. In each verse, you will find one of these words. The following are the 10 words that you'll always find, one of them. Maybe two, I'm not sure, but certainly one of them appearing in each verse. He either will use the word Torah, okay, as now in our example, Ashrei Timime Dorech HaHochim B'Torat Hashem. Okay, there's the word Torah. He will use the word Derech. In our case, again, in verse 1, he even used the 
word derech, ashrei timime, darech. Ahochim, betayra, tashem. So Torah is one. Derech, way is two. Chok, which is a statue, is three. Mitzvah, a commandment is four. Mishpat, judgment is five. Eidut, which are testimonies, is six. Pekudim, precepts, seven. Tzedek, righteousness, is eight. Dibur, word, is nine. And Amira, saying, is ten. So again, Torah, Derech, Chok, Mitzvah, Mishpat, Eidut, Pekudim, Tzedek, Dibur, and Amira. Okay, and these key words are found in every single verse because um, David emphasizes them over and over and over again um, in what it is that he's teaching. So the first verse, again, just as a recap, Ashrei Timimei Darech HaHolchim B'Torat Hashem Praiseworthy are those whose way is wholesome, okay, who walk in a wholesome way, those who walk in the Torah of Hashem, Emphasizing and emphasizing and re-emphasizing and saying it over and over again that our spiritual source, our, our yardstick by which we measure this world comes from the knowledge and from us learning Torah. It is vital. And, um, I urge each and every single one of you, wherever you find yourself on the spectrum, um, even the most and I'm putting it in inverted commas, religious or observant of us, all the way down to those of us that are not in any way um, connected to Judaism, the way we start connection, the way we maintain connectivity, the way we continue and run our lives has to be done on Torah, and that means that we need to learn Torah. No excuses given. There is just way too much out there that can serve your needs in whichever way possible. Verse 2, David reads, Ashrei, Notsrei, Edotav. Praiseworthy are those who cherish your testimonies, your Edot. Bechol lev yidrushuhu. Wholeheartedly you will seek him. Now, what is an Eda? So as we know, we've got three types of mitzvot. We have 613 mitzvot in the Torah. They can be divided into Three types, one of them being the Eidot, the testimonies. The testimonies are those precepts of the Torah that um, <clears throat> bear testimony to who we are, what we are, or something that has happened. Um, we have the Chukim, those mitzvot that we don't understand, and then we have the Mishpatim, those are the general laws that even the non-Jewish world has placed Um in their societies because they, 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 they are societal laws that make sense. Don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery, etc. So we've got mishpatim, the, the, the legal and, 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 um, laws that most people subscribe to, Jew and non-Jew. And then we have the chukim, those mitzvot we do not understand, which I'll touch just a little bit later. Now we're going to discuss the adot the ordinances or the testimonies. So the Radak, one of the commentators on the Torah, said there were a number of holy objects that bared edut, testimony, to the fact that the Jewish, the children of Israel were chosen by Hashem um, 
And they themselves chose Hashem for their God, and He chose them for His treasured people. What objects bore testimony? Well, we first, it's, we were told that we had the Aaron Ha'edot, the Ark of the Testimony, that was the, the, in, found in the Holy of Holies, the Ark which contained the tablets of the law. So that was an object that bore testimony to the fact that we were connected to Hashem through Torah. We also have the Ohel Ha'edut. Ohel Ha'edut is the tent of the testimony, and it's talking about the tabernacle and later on the Beit HaMikdash. Both the tabernacle and the Aaron perpetuate the memory of the giving of the Torah at Har Sinai. Um, Then, just in terms of the 613 mitzvot of the Torah, what examples do we have of edot, of testimonies? Well, very, very easily, um, we have the commandments to keep Shabbat. We've got the commandments to keep the sabbatical year, the Shemitah. Why are those uh, testimonies? Because when we keep Shabbat, we bear witness to the fact that God created the world. In six days, and on the seventh day he rested, and that God controls the world. Similarly, when we um, keep Shemitah, Shemitah means that every seventh year, if you're a farmer in Israel, you let your land lie fallow, and you don't do anything to the land. There again, we attest to the fact that God runs this world. So two mitzvot in the Torah, I've just given you examples, there are many, many more. They are called Edut because they bear testimony. Shabbat and Shemitah. Radak actually continues and says that the mitzvah of tzitzit and the mitzvah of tefillin, of phylacteries, um, are testimonies, are mitzvot that are called Edut, testimonies. Why? Because what do we say about tzitzit? Uri'item oisam. That we will see them and we will remember all the mitzvot of Hashem. They are a constant reminder to the Jewish people um, that we are God's chosen nation and that we bear a special obligation to represent God at all times. So Ashrei, Notzrei, Edoitav, praiseworthy of those who cherish your testimonies. Bechol Lev Yedrushuhu, wholeheartedly we will seek him. This is really just talking about the person whom King David is trying to draw a caricature about, a wholesome person, a devoted person. If you walk that path, that derech, that highway, where you're committed to the teachings of God, then you have complete faith in God, and that leaves no room for doubt um, in your heart, and you will reject um, any anything that comes from any skeptical philosopher or anybody who who arrogantly will always yell at you that they're looking for visible proof of things that are maybe metaphysical in phenomena. So a wholesome or wholehearted person is guided by Hashem's testimonies, um, and he has a recognition of God's rule in this world, um, and you live your life that way. Now, just as I'm talking, I'm wondering how many of you relate to that? How many of you live a life like this? How many of you would like to live a life like this? How many of you think that it's not worth living a life like that? Uh, you can SMS on 34519 or WhatsApp on 62 
Verse 3 reads, Af lo fa'alu avla, indeed they do no wrong, bedrachav halachu, they walk in their ways. Um, and this is really a promise, a divine guarantee that nothing um, will occur to people who constantly try to purify themselves because they they enjoy um, divine divine assistance. And this is a very, very important idea. You know, in the Talmud, it says that if a person holds back and refrains from sin, God rewards him as if he's performed the mitzvah. Rashi tends to disagree with this theory because he says inaction can never be considered equal to a positive action. One needs to do two things. One needs to sur mirah. One needs to stop doing negative, but you also have to go onto the positive side and we need to go and do asay tov. We need to do good and bidrachav halachu and then completely walk in his ways. Let me know what you think. Do you think that if everybody subscribed to walk, walking wholesomeness and subscribing to an absolute yardstick, this world would be a better place or is it just better for everybody to, you know, free think and do whatever it is that tickles their fancy? You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Hello and welcome back again. We are going through chapter 119. We're doing the first eight verses that start with the letter Aleph and we are on verse four. We're halfway through. You have issued your precepts, your pikudecha, lishmor me'od, to keep diligently. And here is a very important thing, something that uh, we see argued even to this day, um, quite, quite heatedly. Um, the Torah teaches that we cannot pursue mitzvahs in a half-hearted way, because if we do, we are sure to make a mistake. We need to perform them Diligently, okay, lishmar ma'od. We need to perform them as diligently and as fastidiously with a, with a genuine sincerity, um, so that we, we are doing them proper, uh, properly. And the Sforno, a commentator on, on the Torah, observes that this is what it's, what it's really saying is talking about the fact that God gives a commandment that you shall not add to the word which I commanded you, neither shall you diminish from it, so that you should keep the commandments of Hashem, your God, which I commanded you. That's from Deuteronomy. Vitally, vitally important. The reason we have survived, the reason why we are here today, is because we have allowed for the authenticity of of Torah to always remain as such, meaning the way the Torah was given 3,000 years ago is the way we keep it today. Times might have changed. We might find ourselves in different places in the world. We find, might find ourselves in very different circumstances. We do not have the mandate to go add anything extra to what Torah has given to us and the vice versa, which seems the more common path to delete, subtract, diminish anything from Torah. And, um, this is, this is a cornerstone. This is a cornerstone of Torah, and this is an argument that can be thrown at all those who have taken authentic uh, Judaism, and they have changed it and said, well, you know, today we don't need it. For example, we don't really need to keep the laws of Kashrut because Kashrut was um, there in the olden days. Keeping kosher was there in the olden days because, you know, there was a very bad um, 
level of cleanliness and now we have everything vacuum packed and there's nothing wrong. We've proved scientifically there's nothing wrong in eating a non-kosher piece of meat or anything non-kosher for that fact. That is detracting and removing and diminishing and subtracting from the laws of kashrut. We do not hold by that, period. Um, and that, that idea applies to the various um, other forms of Judaism, other types of synagogues other than orthodox, authentic Judaism, um, and, and all other philosophies and ideas that go, you know, that, that are, have been presented throughout the century, certainly today where we are pretty free thinking in, in everything that we do. As soon as you go and take a religion that is godly and you make it man-made, uh, we're looking for a lot of trouble. And the proof of the pudding is that today, with the unfortunate and sad reality of the watering down of Judaism around the world, because we're trying to take something God-made and making it man-made, we are experiencing the most excruciatingly painful levels of assimilation, where I think now in the United States of America, it's eight out of every ten people are assimilating and losing their Judaism and who they are. So this is a very, very important verse. We have to keep very, very, very diligently um, what God has 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 told us, and the midrash Shocher Tov reiterates the divine promise of reward for all those who keep the commandments diligently. He says, "Said the the Holy One, blessed be He. If you keep watch over my mitzvahs, I will keep watch over you and your soul all the days of your life. If you keep my Torah, you shall see children and children's children, and abundant peace for all of Israel." Very, very important. And I think that just after I finished up all eight verses, if we do have time, I am going to give you, or tell you rather, a beautiful, beautiful story that actually illustrates this. My hopes, my, may my ways be firmly guided to keep your statues. Here David is, is praying that he needs to be given the strength. Achalai means I fervently hope and pray. Why? Because here he's talking about chukecha, about those laws that make no sense. Remember we said there were three types of, of, of mitzvot, the testimonies, the, the judicial legal laws, and then those laws that we don't understand, um, or that there seems to be no apparent rationale or motive. And we know that, you know, we will be mocked by our friends, by those outside of ourselves for practicing seemingly irrational statues. And certainly the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, will incessantly try to persuade us to abandon such acts because they transcend uh, human logic. So King David goes and makes a prayer here that he constantly hopes and he prays that uh, that he gets abundant divine assistance um, to reinforce his resolve to keep all the chukim, all those statues. Verse 6 reads, As lo evosh, then I will not be ashamed, behabiti et kol mitzvasecha, when I gaze on all your commandments. Um, <clears throat> 
one of the things I think that is very difficult for people is that because of the peer pressure today and that which everybody makes as, as important is that we might feel ashamed of who we are. Here King David is saying, I shan't be ashamed. I'm praying that you'll allow me not to be ashamed when I keep all your, all your commandments. The Alshek comments that this is specifically to the mitzvah of tzitzit. Tzitzit, by the way, very interestingly, the word tzitzit, tzadik yud, tzadik yud, taf, is, um, has a numerical value, a gematria of 600. And uh, if you look very closely, you'll see that each fringe is composed of eight strands and five knots. So if you take the eight strands of five knots, that's 13. And the word tzitzit is 600. So you have 613, the mitzvah of tzitzit. Um teaches us that we should be enveloped with all 613 mitzvot all the time. And when one gazes upon the tzitzit, one will know that one must look upon all the commandments and not be ashamed. And we should keep it that way. I will thank you with an upright heart, with an uprightness of heart. Yosher really means straight. Now, we know many people are insincere. Their mouths always express sentiments that are quite different from what they feel inwardly. But King David vows to be completely truthful to God. You know, today maybe we can label it as let's be authentic. Well, authentic must have some type of absolute connotation to it because if you allow your authenticity to be that which is reliant on your mind and what you think, then your authenticity will be relative um, as you traverse the path of life. Uh, Yosher, to be straight, to be authentic, um, King David asks, Adcha, I'll thank you, be Yosher Levav, when I'm able to be upright of heart, belamdi bishpatei when I study your righteous judgments. Meaning that we also know that God is totally authentic and that he will judge us fairly on every level. The final verse reads, Et chukecha eshmor, I will keep your chukim, those that I do not understand. Altazveni admeod, do not, do not leave me for, for so much. Meaning, do not, do not leave me at all, even when things become unbelievably difficult and I am, you know, I have a limit to my ability. So here King David interjects with a plea that Hashem shouldn't forsake him so that he will be able to carry out his pledge. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. As promised, let me share quick with you, quickly with you a story that uh, I shared with some ladies over Shabbat. Uh, a very fascinating story just shows showing you the authenticity of Torah, the the eternity of Torah. The story goes like this. There's a very, very famous rabbi in Israel um, whom we had, I believe, the pleasure of hearing him at one of the one of the years of Sinai in Daba. His name is Rabbi Yitzchak David Grossman, um, a very great, very holy Jew that does a tremendous amount of work in Israel, working particularly with Russian uh Refugees and immigrants and he has got educational institutions of thousands of children in a place called Migdal Emek. Rabbi Yitzhak David Grossman tells the story that a couple months um, previous to him telling the story, I'm not exactly sure, but I think the story happened within the last five years. He had uh, a, a, a an Israeli guy that's called Moti Dotan. Moti Dotan is a member of the Israeli parliament. He is head of the lower 
Galilee Regional Council. And Moti Dotan came and paid a visit to Rabbi Yitzhak David Grossman with the following story. He explains, Moti Dotan, that he had just returned from a place called Hanover in Germany. Um, why? Because he was celebrating 25 years of participation in a twin city project. As you know, um, Cities across the world twin up with each other and they share resources. Munis- uh, you know, how to civilly and municip- from a municipal point of view run their cities and, uh, you know, there's collaboration between the two. Now, the Lower Galilee Regional Council, I'm not sure exactly which city, um, had a partnership with Hanover in Germany and they had, they were celebrating 25 years of very, very successful collaboration. So he had just returned from there and he was telling Rabbi Yitzhak David Grossman that they had a huge, um, uh, affair where all um, or a lot of the German government attended and there were many, many speeches and he too was given the opportunity to get up and speak. After he finished his speech, um, Moti Dotan said that he was approached by a Bundsmann, a, a, a member of the German pol- parliament of the SDP party. Um, his name was Hetzel Helkoff, I think it was. The name stands to be corrected. Nevertheless, this German chap came up to him and said to Moti Dotan, can I speak to you in private? They stepped aside and he said, this German told Moti Dotan the following story. He said, um, my father, um, who was a very, very proud German, passed away a couple of months ago. And on his deathbed, he called me <clears throat> to his side and told me to open a very special secretive drawer that he had and to pull out a wallet, a beautiful leather wallet. And um, my my father, he says, told me to open the wallet and in the wallet there was a piece of paper neatly folded up which turned out to be a certificate um, showing that the father was in fact a big deal in the German Luftwaffe Okay, and that he he had served his country with pride, with dignity, with dedication, particularly during the Second World War. The father turned around to the son and said to him, this is the proof that I was part of the Nazi machine. I, I was a dedicated soldier of Hitler. And as I'm lying on my bed ready to meet my creator, I cannot leave my conscience to know that what we did was was immoral, was wrong was was terrible and i myself was involved in some of the atrocities that that occurred and he went on to tell his son that one particular one stood in his mind that they came into a particular synagogue they were commanded to trash the place which they did with much alacrity and um, they burned and stampeded and just brought down the entire synagogue to its feet he continued to tell his son that while they were um, pillaging the place, a a what we know now to be a safer Torah was unravelled um, across the floor, and while they were stamping and burning and tearing, etc., etc., he realised that the Torah, in fact, was a very nice piece of leather parchment, and so he took out a knife from his knapsack and he cut out a piece of this parchment, which he folded away. Consequent to the end of the war, he took this piece of parchment and he fashioned it into a beautiful leather wallet. 
He says, this leather wallet you hold now, together with my certificate of, of who I am, and I plead for you for the sake of my soul, please go find and seek out a Jew and give it to a Jew for they'll surely know what to do with it. And with that, the man passed away. This now young German Bootsman comes up to Moti Dotan, hands him this wallet and says, well, you're the only Jew that I've ever met and that I've ever known. Here's the story. I guess you'll know what to do with it. Moti Totan takes this wallet. When he comes back to Israel, he comes to Rabbi Yitzchok David Grossman and he says, and you're the only Jew, holy Jew that I know. Um, I don't know what to do with this wallet. Let me give it to you. Yitzchok David Grossman takes this wallet. He opens it up and he actually looks at the verses of the Torah. Um, that were written on it And to his absolute amazement They were the words that come from Parshat Kitavo Into the Parsha of the Tzavim Which describe the the Tochacha, the rebuke The not good things that would happen to the Jews If we stray from Torah And at the end it finishes up with the verses Into the next Parsha Ve'atem Tzavim that you all stand before God today. And with tears in his eyes, Rabbi Yitzhak David turns around to Moti Dotan and he says, look at the eternity of Torah. Where is Hitler today? Where is the Luftwaffe? Where is the Spanish Inquisition? Where is the, where is Nebuchadnezzar? Where is anybody? What has stood firm today? The Aten Nitzavim Kochem Hayom. We are standing today, and why are we still standing, and we are still alive? Because we have clung to the Holy Torah. And I think that, in essence, is a beautiful story that, in essence, sums up what King David was saying. A Jew has to cling to the authenticity and the beauty of Torah, because then we are guaranteed eternity. I wish everybody a wonderful week.